0: you can use every single good and bad thing that happens to you, learn from them, and then like apply them in a way that makes you better moving forward. And not even you can, you need to. You need to, you absolutely need to use if something bad happens to you. I'm like, okay, this happened. I can't control that that happened, but I can control how I react to it, how I come back from it, you know, how I live moving forward.
1: Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of the Curious Competitor Podcast. Our guest today, if you follow me on Instagram, you've seen us interact. This is Jeff Lavecchio. Jeff Lavecchio played professional hockey uh, for 10 years, uh, decided to exit and now does a really nice job uh, with the Hockey Think uh, Tank podcast, as well as training uh, high-end professional athletes as well as uh, you know general pop clients as well in the, in the St. Louis area. Uh, Vex, I know we have uh, a lot in common, a lot to cover, so I want to keep the intro short. I appreciate you jumping on.
0: Yeah, man. I'm. Uh, this is something we've been trying to do for a long time. I, I'm honored to be on this podcast. And I was telling some guys in the gym today, actually, I was like, yeah, you know, this Connor Carrick guy, I'm going on his podcast. It's unbelievable. I listen to a bunch of episodes. He's trying to put out information to help players and, and people like for free every day. And he's still a pro athlete at one of the highest levels you could possibly be at under NHL contract could be called up at any minute. And he's doing this stuff in his spare time. And I think it's so important. I think it's so friggin' cool that you do this. Um, And uh, you know, I'm honored to be here.
1: Well, thank you. And I'll start with sharing one of my role models and, and you you get ideas and kind of bits and pieces, right? And then eventually it culminates into a big, like I've got to take action on this type moment in an, an ignition uh, point. But there was a, an Evgeny Malkin video way back in the day on NHL.com when it was really the, the insight into players' lives was like NHL.com or the odd YouTube uh, deal. I was a little late to social media just in general. Uh, Malkin got hurt. Uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins strength coach went overseas and they did this really cool video like Malkin's in the parking lot stick handling through hurdles in the rain and then he's in this like dimly lit, I felt very like rocky-ish, right? Um, And I was in this dimly lit rink, like jumping under benches and doing, you know, kind of outside the box, uh, you know, Russian style training. And then he's, you know, in the pool and Sergey Gonchar is there and there's this cross-training element. I remember thinking, man, is that cool. And then I, 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 can't, I couldn't believe how far I got in my hockey career just based off of sort of raw athletic ability and talent. I didn't really know the NHL game. I was a pro in terms of like I cared about what I ate. I, I knew I shouldn't like drink a lot of alcohol. Uh, I should train hard. But I, I, the game within the game was something that escaped me. And now that I, I've been in the NHL and I'm, I'm in the American League currently, like I realized, oh. <clears throat> guys are really studying. I call them like the test tube hockey players. Like in the olden days, it was kind of like you you grew up in Minnesota. You grew up near a community rink. Maybe your older brother played and bang, you're a good athlete. So you have a career. Now it's a lot more methodical and intentional about what assets do I have? How can I add to my game? How can I run into Daryl Belfry? How can I train with Jeff Lavecchio? How can I get in Gary Roberts gym? uh, What information is Adam Olds putting out there? And all of a sudden, it's not this like drop the puck and let's just see what players come out of this. Um, it, it's much more of a, uh, a practiced approach where, where guys are really careful about the information they're gathering. And, and that's what I think I appreciate what you do in hockey is a, a good mentor. And I try to do this as well is you can change the trajectory of an athlete. And that's all you're trying to do. You're trying to interrupt some bad habits and say, Hey, I really acknowledge what you're doing, you're working hard, but you know, let's tailor this to actually get the results you're looking for.
0: Dude, I I love that. And I think for me I I was not skilled enough at the highest levels. Like when I was a kid, yeah, I was one of the best players, but like that, that doesn't, for my goals, your goals to be a pro, to, to play division one, like that's not what really matters. It's how are you doing at juniors and above? And when I got to juniors, you know, I came from being selected to play for like team USA overseas. I played against Ovechkin and Malkin at a tournament that summer. I get to juniors. I was the worst player on the team by far. Like I was not prepared mentally, physically, physically definitely not prepared. Coach absolutely hated me. And so like from then on, it was just like, okay, I've got to find every single thing I out there, every edge, every edge, I don't care what it is. Nutrition was, was a big one for me, especially back in the early 2000s, like 2000, I was playing juniors in 2002, I think. Um, and so like everybody still didn't like care about nutrition. Guys ate whatever they wanted. I did my first year my second year i got a nutrition and i immediately felt better i recovered better you know i gained muscle faster so it's like okay there's one edge training i tore my groin off the bone my first year juniors from getting checked really hard in the boards and that's what got me into working out working out got me into like really training to be a hockey player guys back then were still just working out which i probably did for like two years And then every year it would evolve into a little bit more what I would call training versus just like lifting to lift, you know? And then throughout my career, every year, especially when I got to college, it was like, okay, how can I do this better? How can I do this smarter? How can I get this to apply to the ice? I don't care about anything else. I don't care. Even though I was yoked, don't get me wrong. What's up? I didn't care if I had the biggest biceps on the team. I cared about it translating to the ice because all I wanted to do was turn pro despite nobody ever believing that I would, I did. And it was because every day, you know, what can I learn from a sports psychologist? What can I learn from a psychologist? What can I learn about sleep? What can I learn about this, that I don't care what it is. I tried to get as many different things, pieces of the pie for me to get like 1% better at all of them to make me better on the whole. Um, And that's just something that, that like you're saying, like, the guys who maximize their ability—I don't think it's possible to maximize your ability or even get close truly if you're not living in that mindset all the time at the highest levels.
1: So what I'm what I'm hearing is, and this is something I've been uh, you know trying to practice. I, I I hear that you're looking for every single thing and and for an edge to get better. And what what I'm hearing there is like sh- just showing up is not enough. No, right Ew. and. And there's this uh, interesting phenomenon in sport, especially around nutrition, and especially around sleep, which are kind of the two biggest, the two toughest big rocks to consistently nail, um, is that discipline is important. There's this relationship with, uh, as an athlete, I have these things that I, I want to do, so I do them. That's like one pile of development in my life. And then there's this other pile of things I, I don't really want to tend to, but that's where discipline kicks in, and I should. And I, I, I've really come around to I just read uh, Tim Grover's book, Relentless. Like A motivated athlete will kick the ass of a disciplined athlete every day of the week. When you read about Kobe Bryant, when you read about uh, Michael Jordan, when you really come close to what true mental domination looks like in, in pro sport, these athletes it was not a a matter of discipline. They showed up motivated. And that's what I think is uh, something I connect with your message is you do raise the standard. It is not enough to show up. There is a level of enthusiasm that's expected here. Uh, There is a level of enthusiasm that you're going to bring uh, to to drag people into the fight. And uh, is that something that connects with you? Is that something that makes sense for you in, in, in your work? 100%.
0: 100%. But I would take that even a step further. And I would like Kobe Bryant, he was both. He was motivated as hell. And he was also disciplined as hell. You could argue about Jordan's discipline, you know, when you hear about all the stories and all this stuff. But at the same time, everything I've heard is like, when it was time to work, it was time to work. Kind of like, Chelios like you hear all the stories about him but like when it's time to work like nobody was not only was he motivated when it's time to work he was disciplined now maybe he wasn't disciplined in other areas of his life um you know I don't know him well I don't know him so I don't know but heard the stories and and he was able to do that but I he had a level of both and I think the best athletes they have both and for me it doesn't matter if we're talking about hockey it doesn't matter if your goal is to get a scholarship to go to college on academics, or or in the working world, or or relationships. I don't care what it is. Like, I I hated that that saying YOLO got stolen for like people who just like go out and beat donkeys and like just. And I'm not saying don't ever have fun, don't ever party or anything like that. But they just go out and party all the time. Like, oh, I got work tomorrow at 6 a.m. I'm going to go drink 30 beers tonight. YOLO. Like, I don't love it that. I love that saying, though, as far as, like, if you think about, I say to my guys all the time, all right, you're already whatever, 18. All right, you're 18. You got two more years of juniors, and then hopefully you get to college. If you don't, you only have two years left of hockey. Like, do you want to look back when you're 35 and not say, I gave everything I possibly had? to that. Like that is that should be your goals. I gave everything. And also, if you can do that, you're going to get a lot further. And you're going to be a lot happier. You're going to have no regrets. And so like, for me, I don't care what it is you're doing, like try to be your absolute best at it because in that pursuit, you're you're going to get so much better. You're going to be so much more fulfilled. And I've just learned that confidence is earned. No one can give you confidence and and confidence plays a role, a massive role in performance. But you, you can't get confident if you're not earning it through your discipline, you know, showing up every day, trying to, to push that needle a little bit further, a little bit further, a little bit further. And you're going to fail and you're going to do all these things, but you're going to uncover more and more and more of that possible potential that you have lying with inside you. And every time you get to that little next level, like let's just say you do 10 pushups on, on week one and week two, you do 12, you know, boom, instant confidence. And for me, the gym has so many numbers attached to it. Like if it's running a sprint or if it's how many pull-ups you can do, it doesn't matter what it is, how far you can throw a med ball. It doesn't matter what it is. If you see those little increases, like you instantly gain confidence immediately, you know? And so for me, it's so tactile. You immediately get feedback and you're like, I got better today. And the more more you build that in practice – in, in workouts, in your nutrition, all these things, like you just become a better you. And then you're also happier too because you know you're not leaving things on the table that, oh, you you know, if you fail, you don't give it your all. You leave practice, you know, you know deep down, everyone knows deep down that they didn't give it their all. On a back check, you don't get to a guy and you know you had a little more in the tank, but you were kind of faking 100 on that back check. You were going like 95 You know, you know, even if you don't want to admit it to yourself, you know, and that hurts your own confidence, which, you know, then it's just a negative feedback loop. You spin downwards where, but if you go the other way, I think it does the opposite for you. I know it does the opposite for you. And I've helped hundreds in person and thousands online now, like try to push towards that. That's my goal. I
1: want to, I want to go back a little bit to understand What you took from your playing career into how you train athletes today? Because you made a mention about you know making Team USA and being able to play overseas in some international tournaments, and then struggling in junior. You did play Division One for Western Michigan. You had I'm looking at this. So you're you're six two. You're a big guy. You had 19 goals at one point, 37 games in college. That's a serious clip.
0: I actually had. And then
1: I look ahead. You had 20. All right, Hockey 20. DB. They was, my, no, they gave hey, one of Hockey my goals
0: DB, to somebody else. I
1: was what, you know what? That. Was it, uh, it wasn't It wasn't Topher hitting his edges in front of the ref circle trying to steal a goal, was it? He seems <laughs> no, like that kind of No, I'm just kidding. I know, I'm just kidding. Um, so you, you scored, college was a tough league to score in, uh, yeah. a, a tough style of play to score in. You had 15 goals in 65 games in the American League at one point, to then have zero the next year. I know you had concussion problems. So like when you look back over the course of your career, what led to some of your success? What allowed you to score? What kept you from getting to the National Hockey League? Uh, And and what do you boil down as sort of some of your secret sauce and and your proprietary ability to coach and guide athletes, uh, particularly hockey players, as you do now? Like, What what do you remember, the good, the bad, and the ugly?
0: Yeah, well – I think a lot of people think goal scoring is, like, only an innate ability or, like, a skill that, like, can't really be worked on other than, like, the mechanics of your shooting or stuff like that. But, man, I don't don't believe it's just that. Like, I was a power forward, right? Like, um, I had tunnel vision. I didn't – nobody – we didn't have skill coaches when I was growing up. Like that wasn't a thing. It wasn't even a thing in the AHL really. Like like guys would come out every now and then when I got to that level. I never shoulder checked till I got to the AHL. Nobody ever told me that I grew up in St. Louis when wow. you know we didn't have like all these guys coming out and stuff. But for me it was like the relentless, like just a relentless pursuit of like going to the net, staying around the net and not st- never stopping. Okay. Like I, I, I was very good around the net and below the goal line. And so because of that, like I played to those strengths, but um, I, I had a good shot and like I was, I was really fast. So the first part of the question, like how could I, how did I put up some of those numbers um, in practice? Like let's say there's a shooting drill. Um, if I shot the puck and there was a rebound and it wouldn't ruin the drill for me to go get the puck and put the puck in the net. I would put the puck in the net, and I didn't start doing that till I went to Europe. And I had went through that that twenty three game skid with the Bruins, Providence Bruins, mm-hmm. where I didn't score. Um, but I I started. I, I'm super into sports psychology and like visualization. And I was like, just seeing the puck go in the net over and over, like, with and watching my own highlight tapes. Honestly, I started watching others' highlight tapes for years, and then I started watching my own before games. And like, I was like, dude, this is just another practice of visualization. My agent made me videos of scoring they were always around the net so I was like okay in any shooting drill if it doesn't ruin the drill if there's a re- my rebound goes to the blue line I'm gonna skate out to the blue line get the puck even if the goalie's not looking I'm gonna go put the puck in the net and I did it the last like five years of my career some of my goalies hated me but I would also tell them like I'm gonna do this I've never hit you when you're not looking but like if you can play out the rebound with me play out the rebound with me and if I you keep saving it and it doesn't ruin the drill I'm gonna keep playing it until I put the puck in the net and that really helped me and it's helped some of my players get out of like crazy long um streaks without scoring but so i was was good around the net but i also something that was i wasn't a guy who could create a lot of things unless the puck was below the goal line but if the puck was anywhere on the ice like i needed guys to pass to me like i could score i was good at like breakaways you know like shooting and then for the net i could score but i needed guys to pass to me so Freshman year of college, I only had seven goals, I think it was. Um, I was playing fourth line, but our fourth line became the line that played the most because we were just meets at Western. Um, And we we were on the penalty kill all the time, and I was our first penalty killer. So I played the most on the team as a freshman. My sophomore year, I played with Paul Shahura. Probably played a couple hundred games in the show, played for years in the KHL, unbelievable distributor of the puck he would just find me wherever and and i buried a lot of goals that year um in the american league i scored 15 and 65 after missing an entire year so that was my first year in the I missed the whole first year of my contract with a very bad concussion and i came back and um i was like you know i played all lines first second third fourth in the american league I, i was kind of just like wherever they needed me i played no power play no penalty kill and i buried 15 and 65 Most of them around the net, you know, a couple breakaways here and there, a couple shorties. Um, But for me, it was just like the relentless practice of scoring. I learned in juniors that like every time I shot the puck, it was to bury. It was I never came down and just shot the shot to shoot the puck, which a lot of guys do in practice, especially in warm up drills. And my goalies know I'm not shooting to warm you up. I'm shooting to score. I'll shoot from far away like they're wanting me to because that's the drill. I'm not going to be a drill kill, but I'm going to shoot to score every single time I shoot it. And if there's a rebound, I'm going to go and try and bury it every Single time I stopped on every single puck, and because I had this crazy anal habit of doing that, it allowed me to, I think, like get so comfortable with where the puck would bounce off goalies' pads for rebounds, if that makes sense.
1: And so, like, I'm picturing I, I, this Dennis Rodman,
0: dude, uh, yeah, yeah, you know, guys, calculus guys, on guys, where know, the
1: puck's coming next off right. the basket. I love dude, it,
0: r- ridiculous, but but it became a habit. And then that habit in games, like a lot of guys stop, don't stop when they shoot the puck in front of the net. I'm stopping in the crease. I'm waiting there. I'm waiting there. Somebody else has a puck. I'm going in the net. I'm stopping. And I was not afraid to stand there. So in Europe, if you look at my goals in Europe, I scored a shitload load of goals in Europe and all of them were within three feet of the crease. So all of the, it was either a breakaway or three feet within the crease, tips off my skates, rebounds, whatever. So something that I tell my guys is like that, that, that breaking down that practice is literally the exact same thing as stuff we were talking about earlier. Don't do anything just to do it. Do it for the purpose of why you're doing it. So if it's in a drill and you're shooting for a rebound, don't just like – come in straight on the goalie and shoot it for rebound, fake like you're going to shoot, move the puck six inches to the left, then shoot, because now the goalie can't control to stick the rebound because you made a move right before you shoot the puck. And then as the guy who's crashing the net, when you see that, you know where the angle the goalie's pads are, okay, most likely... If he hits that far pad, it's going to go somewhere over here. So you can kind of skate that way, right? And, and from the mindset standpoint that I talk to my guys, my favorite saying, how you do anything is how you do everything. Like if we're warming up and you're just like going through the motions, get out of my gym get out. I do not want you in my gym. Luckily, I built my business now where I have a waiting list and they know that. And I'm like, and the culture that I've, I've enforced and created and now has taken on a life of its own where all the guys hold each other accountable. Cause now I'm like, you guys are all from St. Louis. We all want to help each other get better. You're all in here to push each other or else I don't want you in here. I don't want you in here. I want you to push yourself to 100. And there's going to be days when you can't get there. And the guy next to you is going to pick you up and he's going to chase you to make you run faster. He's going to hold you accountable to get here on time. Like that is what happens in this gym. And if you don't hold that standard, you're cut. I don't want to work with you because that's just who that's just how I was. That's how I am. That's who I want to work with. And I'm not saying you got to make the NHL. Like there are guys who I'll take that Are not at the level of some of my groups but because they've messaged me on instagram 400 times a day for a year being like can i work out with you can i'm like you know what yes i love that you're in and the other guys know maybe this guy doesn't belong there but i tell them why they're in there you know and like well dude he's working his ass off the percentage that he's gotten better compared to you is higher so he's better to me than you are right now like like pick it up you know that kind of thing that's just the mentality that I try to instill in all my guys at all times because I had you know, 14 concussions in my career. It has a lot and, and the, the bad one happened pretty much right after I signed with the Bruins and left school early. All my dreams are coming true and then I get this massive concussion. I miss a year and a half. I thought I'd never play again. So like the rug can be pulled out from under you at any moment. And I just tell them like, you don't know what tomorrow's gonna bring. So like give everything today. So you have no regrets later in life.
1: Yeah, it's really interesting. Like it, it really was a, a near-death experience from a career standpoint for you. Oh, yeah. You really had this fork in the road. Like, do I you know, a year and a half an excruciatingly long period of time in pro hockey? Um and and I it it really has seemed to unfold uh, as a gift as you've gotten older to, to really be able to communicate to guys the the preciousness with which this talent is and just how quickly this game we'll move on from players.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and throughout my career, like you see guys who quit in the middle of the year. Like I saw in the AHL, there were a couple guys who quit like just the middle of the year or, or guys get a career ending injury or like all these different things could happen. But for me, I'm not, I'm not a religious person. I'm not anti-religion, anything like that. I'm just not, I'm not religious. I don't, I don't, I personally don't subscribe to the, the saying, uh, everything happens for a reason, but I look at it very similarly. I say you can use every single good and bad thing that happens to you, um, learn from them and then like apply them in a way that makes you better moving forward. And not even you can, you need to, you need to, you absolutely need to use if something bad happens to you. I don't like to say, Oh, well that happened for a reason. Cause like, I don't know. I just think that's like a, That's a cop out. It's a loser's mentality, in my opinion. Like, I'm like, okay, this happened. I can't control that that happened, but I can control how I react to it, how I come back from it, you know, how I live moving forward. And so for me, that's like everything, you know, if you mess up on a shift, like you you can't, and this is something I wish I could have applied in my own game sooner. It didn't happen till the end of my pro career when I was over in Europe, but like I made a mistake. Okay, that mistake happened in the past. I cannot change one second ago, one minute ago, one month ago, one year ago. I can't change anything that happened, but I can change how I learn from it, adapt and apply from this moment forward. So like if you toe drag at the blue line and you turn it over, all right, well, don't toe drag that guy or do it better or or why did it not work and let's let's try and work on that. So moving forward, I either make a better decision or I get better at my toe drags to then pull it off and actually execute, which my toe drags were not good. So I, w- I was probably dumping it in.
1: <laughs> well, I think it's really, it's really valuable to evaluate how skilled an athlete is at this concept of storytelling, right? We saw this in the last dance. With Michael, where you know, some guy would like blank in his direction. He would take it as a personal slight and he would use this as as his fuel to to beat guys over the head with all game. And, you know, there was a an example in my own game that I'd like to share with the audience is a lot of athletes are, hockey especially, you know, we're into our gear, right? You're gonna deal with new skates. You've done this in your career, you're gonna deal with new sticks, the curve doesn't come in right, whatever. Um earlier in my career, because I, I was on the obsessive side of wanting things to be right, I would focus. I would, I would get, you know, uh, my interoception would turn on. I'd be evaluating how I felt in my own skin instead of the games out there. through my eyes, like paying attention to the other people. And there was a game I was playing recently. I, I just got out of this old pair of skates and, and Vex like they were, the toe cap was flipping up like a toenail Like they were beat to shit. Right. I, I was struggling to find the next pair and this was a, a story. It was pissing me off. I'm like, I got I got these these skates. They're not right. They're too beat up. And then I flipped. I'm like, you know what? I don't give a shit. I'm gonna be the best player on the ice tonight with one skate on if I have to. I was like, I, I don't even need the right gear. And and when I get it, wait till that moment because then you guys are really screwed. Yeah. And it it really became this uh you know very self conscious self evaluating story loop into. Hey, there's still a job to get done. I don't necessarily, I might not even be my best tonight, but here's what I know for sure. I'm going to beat that guy Yeah. because at the end of the day, this is a competitive game. Yeah. And as long as I win and do my job better than you and that player and that player and that player, I'll make out. Okay. I'll, I'll, I'll get to my best, but you're going to be really impressed with my B plus game. Like my B plus game is going to kick your ass
0: so important to have a b plus game hey or like a, a a second you know you're not feeling it that night you're a little bit sick you don't have energy it's not saying you like give in to those those thoughts but like sometimes you really don't have it at least in my experience I did there are games where I was like, holy shit like I don't did I not eat right that night I tried to do everything but I feel like I'm well that's like it out of I, I,
1: I I want to get right there because in today's game every young pro I've run into has this idea of being a pro. They, they need to be a pro. They're they're with their off-ice coach. And actually, their off-ice conditioning coach is where they're getting a lot of their sports psychology, whether they know it or not. And I, I had a conversation with a young professional last year. I kind of got in his face. I'm like, hey, being a good pro is not like making sure you get avocado in your pre-game meal and foam rolling. It's like you're going to turn a puck over in the first period tonight. Play the second and third period. Play your ass off and after the game tomorrow, go back and watch that shift and know why it happened and don't do it again. Yep. That's being a pro. Oh, and then by the way, do get the avocado in for lunch because it's still better for you <laughs> and better for your brain. And do foam roll because it's still better, but like that's not where the checklist ends.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And
1: reflection. He, he, he it really took a couple reps of that because this was, uh, a player that I think was far away from understanding the game within the game at the pro level. I, I think he was, uh, he did not understand just how cerebral the game was. I don't think he understood. There's a huge difference between being more talented than other players on the ice and actually being a better player and knowing what your plays are and knowing what your identity is and knowing what you do every single night that's unique to you. and that's the thing you mentioned earlier um now you wanted to evaluate every piece of the pie as best as you can and i think the key is is to investigate every piece of the pie that you can so that you can leverage what you learn to be the very best at something Mm -hmm. unique to you as a player and uh with that level of focus you really start to understand okay if there's there's you know, 20 skaters on a team, you understand what it is you bring every single night, and that will make you as irreplaceable as possible.
0: Yeah, and that's something that <clears throat> you you asked, like, you know, why, how'd you go from 15 goals your first year in the AHL to zero in 23 when I got traded by the Bruins to the Panthers? I, so, like, I won testing in Boston both years I was there. Like, you know, they, they didn't, like, give, like, first, second, third, but they brought me in the room, and they're like, you know, you you crushed everyone in testing, like your top three and everything you did. And I like won all, you know, a whole bunch of stuff. And it's the last guy cut, or one of the last guy cut two years in a row. And uh, the second year, um, I really thought I was gonna make the team out of camp. Like I thought I had, just because of my camp, I thought I had a good enough uh, um, showing that maybe they would take me over or over one of the guys who was a first rounder who hadn't played any pro games yet. You know, I was a free agent, and I missed a whole year of hockey two years before. So, like, pretty pretty stupid to think that. But in my head, that's where I was. I was like, "Oh, we lost to the Panthers three to two. I scored both our goals in the preseason in the NHL. Like, I crushed testing. I crushed everyone. Like all these things. You know, I wore a letter in the AHL the year before for a, for a long time after missing a year of hockey. I was like, I got it. And they took they took this guy who's a first rounder the year before. Um, or two years before overseas to start their first game of the regular season. And I went down and I was just so in my head. I was so in my head, this like, you know, like, and I just like tailspinned, and then I lost my identity. And, you know, I went from being like, well, I, I need to get points to get called up. And they're telling me like, just play like Byron bits and like Byron bits in the NHL was just like dumping the puck in and hitting people. So that's all I started doing. I literally get the puck and I would dump it in. i am playing first line with, 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 uh, was that year? Was it with Marshawn and Whitfield maybe? Yeah. And like, it's, I'd get the puck. I'm just dumping it in. Whitfield's like, what is this guy doing? And I'm like, I'm trying to be Byron Bitts in my head. I lost my identity, man, and that I lost my confidence. I hit like 800 posts, and I would just start like breaking sticks over my knee and stuff, and I just – I completely lost my identity. I got traded Rochester. I scored in my first game. First game, but like immediately, Don Sweeney actually texted me. He must have watched the game. He's like – uh, I watched that game like that. That's why we you reminded me of when I watched you in college. Like, that's why we signed you in Boston. Like, good luck, you know, yada, yada. And I was like, wow, that was really nice of you and everything like that. That's very classy. And yeah, yeah. And when he called me, I think it was Sweeney I talked to when, when, when I, they traded me. He's like, you know, we recited "Trade You the Panthers." Like, wish you nothing but the luck, nothing but luck. You know, we wish you didn't have the concussions. Also, super, super nice. And he's like, and now's the time where you know you're not with us anymore. If you want to say "f you" to me, you want to say anything to me, chirp me, whatever you want, like go ahead. And I was like. In my head, I was like, would anybody do that? And I was like, no.
1: (laughs) Yeah, how many guys take you up on that? Yeah,
0: I was thinking that. I never asked him. I wish I would have, but, you know, I was nervous and stuff. But, um, yeah, I scored in my first game, and then I I had a pretty successful season in Rochester the rest of the year because I played a third-line role for the whole season there, and I just played the best I ever played in the American League for my role. And uh, it was all because I lost my identity, like you said. And like, I wasn't bringing what I needed to bring every night. Um, and I just, I was, I was in quicksand for 23 games. It was crazy. It was the worst, worst 23 games of my career by far.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. Like you, there, there are so many fork in the road moments uh, in pro hockey. Like one week you legitimately feel you're in the running to make the NHL club. And then maybe not the next week, but by the week after, you're like, "Am I gonna continue to stay in the same spot on my American League team?" Because right. guys are outperforming me here, and that just goes to show how competitive it is. It's interesting. I've uh, I've been injured in my career, and one of these, uh, you, you try to learn something. You're up in the stands, and you, you try to practice and study and visualize. Okay, if I'm out there, I'm gonna be in this spot. You know, I actually play with this guy. I didn't realize he makes this play. This. Often, you know, so you're taking cues, and something I've, I've felt more than once is like, wow, like these guys are good. I, I, I kind of can't believe I have the success I do out there. I play out there with these guys and against these guys, Um, from a respect part of the game, and it's even, it's even. That feeling's even uh, progressed as I've gotten older in my career because the league has gotten better, both the NHL and the American League. And uh, it, it really goes to show any tough moment in my career, you mentioned the concept of a victim mentality. I, I really regret the periods of my career where I stayed in that place and I felt like a victim and I had people in my life that said, yeah, you're right, the coach is screwing you, you deserve better, Uh, the system's just not right for you, Um, versus having sort of uh, checks and balances in place for someone to, you always have to shake yourself as a pro hockey player. There's always something you can do to help you feel better about your game immediately. Yeah. Whether that's before practice or you're at home recovering, like just take some sort of action to, to get some momentum to get some inertia in your favor especially during those tough times um and i'm really focusing on on your scoring practice because this is something in my own year right now i'm having i've you know had a a pretty good year but i absolutely believe and have scored at a higher clip and as a demon that's maybe not always the focus but i'm i really care about winning and at the end of the day they count goals that's how they determine who wins and uh there was an opp- there was an opportunity I had recently in the game. Kind of walk my guy at the blue line, you know, do the old like fake, I'm gonna dump it in behind the goal line, uh, you know, pull it from my right foot to my left, walk the guy, come on in. I, I wanted to pass. I have an, a tendency to overpass. And I I took this shot that was to, you know, four rebound traffic. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, I gotta do a better job visualizing, getting in that space. I gotta do a better job seeing that puck go into the net and feel it get to the other side of the goalie and And uh, it's definitely going to be a focus of mine after this podcast this week. It's something I'm 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 thinking about heavily.
0: I'm telling you, have your agent or somebody like clip all of your goals in the American League in in the last like five years. Have somebody clip them, have them overlay it with your favorite song that you like to listen to before games and and watch it all the time. I had one of my um first round draft pick clients years ago, probably 5 years ago now. This yes, is my first year retiring, maybe doing this full time. And uh he, he had like couldn't make the big club, couldn't make the big club I was like right there, right there, right there. And I called his agent before camp and I'm like, "Hey, like dude, this is my first summer working with this guy." And I'm like, "Hey, like do this." And he's like, "Oh, that's I've never I never thought of that. I'm like, yeah, dude, it literally like, it sounds goofy or whatever, but like, man, it is literally another form of visualization pretty much. I think it's like an even higher form because you're watching yourself and no one can give you confidence. Other than yourself, you, you earn it, like I said. But like it does instill, uh, uh yeah. Oh, oh, I remember. Oh, yeah, I remember the feeling I was in. You remember selling. You remember the sounds. You remember the smell, the rank, like all these things that when you bring those into your visualization, they're even more powerful. One of my guys in the, in the NHL from the Maple Leafs gave a talk to my younger guys. He actually just got called up. He's killing it, Joseph Wall. Um awesome. going for the yeah. He's he's. I he's saw his, I saw
1: his comment actually about not knowing O'Reilly got traded. And I thought that was hilarious. Like I, I was ready to tweet, tweet out like, that's pretty cool that Patrick star from SpongeBob has another, <laughs> has another roommate <laughs> under the rock. Cause I couldn't well, believe that. His,
0: he got rid of his social media this year. So this, like, he, this kid is dialed dude. This, this he's the most dialed athlete I've ever met in my whole life. He's a gold standard hockey night in Canada or whoever called me and like they they showed like pictures of me and him at last game um talked about like some some things that I said about him he's the gold standard was a joke in my gym like watch Joe uh, I, I'll I'll demonstrate it you know I'll de- but Joe is the gold standard so I'm like watch Joe boys watch Joe so in the pro group every guy's like okay all right we'll watch Joe we'll watch Joe um but uh yeah man it's it's so it's so uh I don't even know where I was going with that. I lost it. (laughs) We Uh, were talking about
1: about visualization, visualization, uh, highlight. Oh oh, yeah. With
0: with the videos, man, I'm telling you, I promise you if you do that and you watch that at home before you go to the rink, maybe if you have it on your phone right before the game starts or at some point, like before you put your gear on, watch, dude, watch it. I promise you, I I would love. And because you are up to doing anything, I would love to see you do this for like a month and just see if there's any difference. Like I would love to see I would love to do that experiment with you.
1: Well, I, I use this I use it it's a joke, but I, I mean it's seriously. It's like uh I, I say in the locker room, like I'll try anything four or five times. Uh <laughs> <laughs> and and I, I really like the bit about uh is it uh Joey Wall, you call him Joey? Yeah, Joseph Wall. I want to short you. So like it, there's this quote, you know, you're either setting the standard or responding to it and you were a part of the Bruins organization. Um It's pretty cool to see on display here. There is a lot of intentionality surrounding uh, each and every athlete's personal best and understanding what the standard is uh, expected of you. Would you agree with that from your time with the Bruins?
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. 100%. And, you know, I was only in two organizations, the Panthers organization and the Bruins for way longer with the Bruins. And I, I just thought they did so many good things. They did so many things right. Um, and this was, you know, a decade and a half ago. So, like, I guarantee what, what you, what was
1: what was Marshy like in the minors? Because if there's one player that I love in the NHL, identical. it's Brad Marchand. I, that guy was a is a blast to watch. I, I just whether I'm in the in the organization or not, I've always had a good time watching Dude, the way best, that he
0: plays. Best guy ever. I mean, I remember he hadn't even played a game in the NHL yet, and we were line mates one game, and he was talking shit to uh, somebody who already had like 150 or 200 games of the show. And he said, I'll crush you with my wallet. And the guy looked at him like, <laughs> what? I got 200 games of the show. You haven't played any yet. You know? And, and I, I was like, God, like that guy's got the biggest heart in the whole world. I absolutely love Marsha. He's the best guy ever. Um, but when you're talking about the Bruins too, like they also, I feel like they're really good at picking guys who have character like yourself, um, like Jacob Wilson, who's, who's signed with them. He's in the coast right Mm -hmm. now that you said you met Trent Frederick. He's one of my clients too. Jake Wilson's one of my clients. Like they get guys that like they, that, that they want it. They have character. They've got some, they got some sack to their, their game. Their their the way that they approach life. You know, they, they're very good at I think doing their homework that way.
1: And I, I think they are interested in players that can receive, uh, consistent and difficult coaching as well it's something I've noticed like they'll stay on guys they don't let guys slip if there is a little bit like they're talked to it's addressed quickly um, you know the, the, the season can definitely feel like a marathon right it can kind of feel like this like uh, I use the analogy where you're, you're jumping on a bike and you're kind of doing like a steady state bike ride you're just kind of hey keep the RPMs around 90 right you've done bike rides like this and all of a sudden you're kind of riding and you look down and you're like oh my RPMs are at 81. I better pick that up, you know? So okay, you, you jump on it. And now you're up, you're humming. Your RPMs are over 90 and you, you know, another minute goes by and you check down you're like, Oh shit, I'm at, I'm at 81 again. And, uh, there, there's a, a, a feedback loop, an interruption pattern where the, the more quickly you can get feedback that you're slipping, the more quickly you can get back to that standard. And, uh, yeah. I think having processes in place, I think that's very important. Um, for athletes. And I think this comes back to the highlight video. I think this comes back to having high-end consultants like yourself uh, in your circle of people uh, as an athlete. I think these are things that all center and reground you in a season that will injure you. You will go games while hitting post. You will have equipment troubles. You will get the flu. Um, And it's just about how quickly can you get off the schneid and how well can you extend those periods of Good play and, yeah. and, and really maximizing the runway there
0: I think that that's the difference between a guy who plays five years professionally or or ten years or you know two versus four whatever it is like the guys who figure that out sooner and and can do that more and better and all the time every year after year you're just gonna be more valuable to teams and you're gonna play longer
1: Now you mentioned, I want to talk about the, you're super into sports psychology. You're obviously into physiology, given what you do for a living. Who are some of your role models that you look to, um, to expand your toolbox, uh, to better help you equip, uh, to, to help you help your athletes, frankly.
0: Um, Mike Boyle for me is like the gold standard. He changed my career. Like, like I read his book. I talk about all the time. He's been on my hockey think tank podcast. I talk to him on Instagram and Twitter. He always answers me. He's awesome. I just think that when I was growing up, you know, I'm an 85 birth year. Were you, were you the same? 86? 94. You? I'm
1: 94.
0: Oh, man. Old balls loose skin over here. All right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, things make me feel old. Um, yeah. I uh, When I was growing up, it was all back squat, all barbell deadlift, barbell hang clean, old, old barbell push press. It was everything in a phone booth, you know. And like I said earlier, like when I started lifting um, after – or during my first year of juniors when I got hurt, it was all that stuff. And even through college it was, but I I started to be like, why am I winning testing off the ice every team, every year, everywhere, but on the ice I go to hit guys and I fall over every time, or I get pushed down in a corner and I I, I get off balance and I can't hold on to the puck. Or I was just like, no, why why am I not, why am I the strongest here? But I'm not the strongest there. That doesn't make sense to me and uh it wasn't until it was either my last year in college or my first year pro i I always forget which one it was but i picked up mike boyle's advances in functional strength training and it changed the way that i looked at the gym it changed the way that i looked at training any athlete in any sport even though i pretty much only work with hockey i work with some nfl players this last month here but um the I was just like, whoa, I've been doing it wrong. And then my favorite story, I don't know if you ever heard me tell this, my favorite story after my freshman year of college, uh, the Washington Capitals invited me to development camp. Nicholas Backstrom was dra- just drafted fifth overall that week. And i have crushing testing. I'm blowing everybody out of the water and freaking everything and on the ice with the speed and stuff like that. And the bench press test comes up and I rip. I was like 190 at the time, I think. I ripped 275. I think it was seven times, I want to say, I believe. So like for 190, like that's a lot. Like I was a, a lot. i was a, I was a meat. And uh, there was one guy who beat me, Sean Collins, played for Ohio State, but he was like, he looked like he was 40 and I looked like a little boy still. And so I, I ripped 275, get off. I'm like, yeah, like, yeah, I'm, gonna, I'm awesome. Nicholas Backstrom gets up and he couldn't even bench press 135 one time. He couldn't bench press my warm up. And I immediately was like, I'm training the wrong way. Like, Obviously, I'm not the same player as him, not even close, but I was like, he's going to play in the NHL this year. He can't bench press my warm up weight. Why am I focusing so much on the barbell bench press? Why? And then Jack Blatherwick, who a lot of people call him like the father of strength and conditioning in USA. Um, he, I'm pretty sure he was the strength, he was a strength coach for the Capitals for a long time. Um, he was a strength coach for the Miracle and Ice team, the 1980 Olympic team. And he said that line to me that I say to everyone all the time now. I was asked, I just, I, the whole week, I was a leech. I just, every time he's in a room, I'd go stand next to him and ask him every question I could. And he said to me, um, in one of the testing rooms when it was just him and I, he's like, Jeff, if you can do, all of your training for hockey in a phone booth, you're not training for hockey. And I was like, and from then on, then I found Mike Boyle a year or two later. And then I started experimenting on myself. Luckily, I had an unbelievable strength coach in college. Her name is Jen Query because I won all the testing and I had the best VO2 bike I think anybody had ever had in the school's history or something. I crushed this thing. They were like pretty much you can do what you want in the gym pretty much. And I was the captain as a sophomore. So I just started like experimenting myself and like trying a bunch of different things, more unilateral training, like thinking outside the box. And every year I've taken that up more and more. And that doesn't mean like we don't lift. Everybody thinks because I put on Instagram showing like some mobility and stuff. Cause I know nobody does that, which is why I put a lot of that on, on social media, but like we lift and we lift a lot. Um, and we lift a lot of volume, um, but it's just – it's not with a barbell. It's more unilateral in, in mm-hmm. nature for the most part. And I, I've noticed and the results show that like it, it translates to the ice way more.
1: Yeah. it. Uh, I think this is important for younger players listening, like to surround yourself uh, with people, uh, players, coaches who – are just a little bit further down the road, and they've gone through the guess and check process a couple times because it's it's really helpful to reevaluate the direction of your efforts every so often, and to ensure uh, that you are training in a way that uh, translates to you yeah. and your game and your goals over a long set of time. Because otherwise, you can become really really proficient in something that you know, maybe isn't the best driver of what you're looking for professionally.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I, you know, I was training these two NFLers for the last month here, like kind of as like prep to then have them start training, try and like help them get more out of their bodies, rehab, like rebalance, like all these things get feeling good before they start like really going after training here. along with uh, Dr. Tony Kotakis, the functional sports medicine doc who works with all of my clients, no matter what level and uh he's such a next level thinker i've learned so much from this guy he's amazing he's absolutely amazing um and i'm like do you guys ever like do this like talking about like the foot or their ankle or their shins or or their soleus and like like they've done none of it they've done none of it and they're in the nfl they were both first-year players in the nfl this last season and they're like they loved everything tony and i are doing with them for the hips for the ankles for the knees for the t-spine for like all these things and basically like they've just lifted weights to lift, to lift weights. I mean, obviously it's helped them in their career. They are where they are, but I think that like, and they think too, which is why they were coming to me and to him is that like, we're leaving things on the table by just like bench pressing all the time and just back squatting all the time. We're, we're, there's more out there that we can do and it's, we can still do the things that helped us to get here. I think they can do them in a smarter way that will apply even more personally. Um, but like, just like, like work on that ankle, work on your toes, work on your feet, work on every little thing you can and find ways where it makes sense to add these things into your program to try and get that 1% more of things that are really going to translate to what it is you do on the field or on the ice or whatever it is. They don't train their eyes. They've never trained one. There was a D one receiver who was working with them. He's never trained his eyes in his career, in his life. Like they did barely do any hand eye coordination You know, one of them's a running back. He catches the ball sometimes. He also runs with the ball, obviously. One of them's a receiver. One of them's a cornerback. So, I mean, he's got to have great hand-eye coordination. They never work on it ever, never have. And they were loving everything we were doing with them, like immediately out of the gate. So I just think that more people need to think of like these little things. I've been saying for probably 10 years now, I said 10 years ago, the next frontier for training is the eyes and the brain. Like no doubt about it. Nobody was doing it back then. I started doing it with myself and all of my guys a decade ago. And, uh, you know, people made fun of me back then for focusing on that in the gym and all my guys, they will all tell you like it's 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 helped them so much by just doing and we don't even have I don't have crazy technology. You have technology, like, you can do even more cool stuff. But, like, I don't have that kind of budget still yet. Like, I don't have that kind of room in my gym to have, like, these these boards with the lights and stuff. I just don't at the moment. I will one day, but, like, there's always a way to work on it. You know, there's always a way to work on things on a budget level.
1: Yeah, I would say working smarter and harder has been a focus in my own career. I think it's really a tricky game to start thinking you can outmaneuver just how long you have to work. You can think, Oh, I'm going to think smart. I'm going to work smart. I'm going to be efficient. And I think that that's a loser's game. I think the best in the business are interested in doing both. I think when I've been at the top of my game, there's just a, it, 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 the routine ends up looking like the insatiable hunger that's driving it. Right. And when you are that hungry, you want to be smarter and harder with your work ethics. Another thing I've been considering is like really identifying weak links and looking, thinking more closely over my medical history. I think as athletes, we like to think we get hurt, we rehab the injury, and then we leave it. And I'm not sure neurologically that everything comes on board uh, full time once you've gone through the rehab process. Sometimes there's further refinement needed, and I'll give an example. So I had a pretty severe, I had a puck impact in my right ankle when I was with the Dallas Stars, the orthopedic uh, surgeon calls me in, looks at the CT scan, the MRI, and goes, hey, just take a seat. Um, I just, I got to share with you, you know, this is probably the worst puck impact injury I've ever seen. Um, and uh, I, I really do recommend surgery. And so anyway, I, I go through surgery, I go through the rehab process. This is years later down the road. And if I go a couple of weeks, I have these ankle uh, proprioception exercises and they're tedious as hell. They're so boring, Vex. Uh, they take a long time. I've still got to warm up the rest of my body, you know, prior to training or skating or a game. But I notice if a couple of weeks go by, you know, my toes kind of go numb. They kind of go offline. I can't get into my right glute properly, and all of a sudden, it becomes this leverage point. Once I go back online and and redo the tedious work, everything else works just that much better, that much more quickly in my warm up and performance uh, routine. And then I would say the last one being the eyes and the brain. I think. I've done some like functional neurology type uh, work in the summer. I know different guys uh, have really invested in this realm. There's uh, some good resources in Chicago. I know there's some big dogs up in Toronto where guys do this stuff. At the end of the day, you know, going back to your Nick Backstrom analogy, like what an elite recognizer of patterns on the ice and understanding where his sweet spots are and, and tilting the ice so that he can get there with tremendous frequency. And it's not by mistake Um, that the best players put up the points that they do, that they're as effective as they are night in, night out. That's something that when you really watch the video, you watch your own video, you watch video of the best players, it is unbelievably obvious just how consistently good they are each and every night. And uh, I I think that pattern recognition is something that it's very closely related to the highlight tape clip you were talking about, You know, bringing that into your game. I think it's very closely related to the practice (laughs) habit of seeing pucks go in the net another toy I'm going to play with is that uh sense arena. I don't know if you've played with that at all. The virtual reality helmet. Yeah. Uh, I got connected I, with someone over there I I and, and I, I've heard them. great things.
0: Yeah. I think I had a call with them or I was supposed to. I'm glad you just said that. I don't even remember, but I definitely need to give a call to them. Yeah. I think that's the next frontier, man. I really do. I, I really do. Because like I say it to people all the time, close your eyes and try to play hockey. You're not going to be very effective or very good. Like you just not. Well, like, you know, it's a, it's a very reductionist, but like, okay, what if your eyes got better than they are normally? So if you close them, you're way, way worse. Well, what if they get better than they are normally, you're going to be way, way better. And like, think about this, how many times over the course of your career, when you were trying to get into the NHL, probably even still where you do sprints and you do shuttles and all of that. When we play hockey, you don't look straight forward ever, when you're on the ice, you're caught, especially if you're good and you're you're older. You're scanning. You're looking on a back check. Is there somebody coming? Is he over there? Where's this guy? Where's that guy? If you're coming in the zone with the puck and you got a little time, you're looking for where's where's my the guy checking me? Where's the the late guy? Can I pull up? Can I hit a trailer? Do I want to look this way to fake so the guy looks this way, but I'm going to go that way instead? It's it's deception. Nobody talks about doing that in the gym. Everybody, when they run and they practice shuttles or sprints, it's only about the speed component. And yes, you need to work on that. But I believe at a certain point uh, of each offseason, now we need to make it transfer to the ice even more by just tweaking it a little bit by looking around the room while you're sprinting. By I have like words on, on the wall. So if we're doing games or something, I'm like, look around, try and read the signs on the wall while you're moving, while you're running, all of these things and is that identical to the ice no but like that's not what training is about anyways you're just training like all of these things and if if you if you have anybody especially a younger person this is where like you really see a big difference if you have them walk a straight line while they're looking forward in the gym all right they can do it but if you have them walk try and walk a, that same straight line as they're looking to the left they're going to wind up 30 degrees off course Almost, almost everybody, almost every single time. Our eyes play a massive role in our balance, in our proprioception, in our spatial awareness, right? And those things might be three of the most important things in higher level hockey, spatial awareness um, and, 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 you know, proprioception while you're moving, you know, and then you're, you're stick handling, you're trying to make a skilled play while all of these different things are happening, but you never work that in the gym. You only lift weights. Well, I look at that and I say, you're not training smart enough. Like you've got to dedicate some time to that. And it's not as hard as people think it is you can build it into your training with supersets as part of your warm up. On on recovery days, you can do all of these things, and they make a massive, massive difference. And I think more so than than some of the things that have been pushed in the gym forever.
1: Yeah, I agree, and and I I think that's a a good place to start to wrap up, Vex. I I really want to say that I appreciate your time. I know you have uh, your business, you have your own brand you're developing. I, I do want to leave a little bit of time at the end with, uh, covering the hockey thing take podcast. I think you do a great job, uh, with Toph for Scott. I want to talk, uh, I want you to just address how much the podcast has mean to you, why you started it. Um, and just, uh, what the success has felt like for you and Toph.
0: Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. We, we started that right when I retired. I, my last season in Austria was a 17, 18 season. And, uh, came home that summer and Toph was like, you know, I started a podcast. This is who I am. I just say, I just say yes to everything. Like I, this, this is something that I've learned as an entrepreneur, as a businessman as well, as somebody who's trying to impact as many people as I possibly can. I say yes to almost everything. And it started hilariously after watching Yes Man with Jim Carrey. <laughs> I swear to God, I tell everybody this story, tons of podcasts because it's brought in so many of these new things in my life so many i've met so many great people that i wouldn't have if i wouldn't have done something that i didn't really want to do at the time like Today, oh, I'm tired. Somebody asked me to go do this. Yes, I'll be there. I'll slam some coffee. I'll get there. You know, whatever. Um, and uh, so I said yes. Didn't even know. We didn't even know what we were doing, Toef or I. We just started telling our story. We started bringing on people. And it got big very quickly. Um, we've got over a million downloads on the Hockey Think Tank podcast. We're four, nice. year, yeah, four years in maybe. We've had on people like yourself, which is one of my favorite episodes. I didn't know who you were till that came on. And then I immediately... Nice became obsessed with you like literally i was like dude this guy's awesome he's putting out so much good for young hockey players i tell every guy in my gym to follow you every single guy pro college juniors little kids i'm like follow people on social media that are putting out info that are going to help you be a better you not just hot girls butts like stop doing that like that's two percent not (laughs) not not the other way all right because i know they're going to do it um and and so yeah so the hockey think tank has, has taken off it's offered me so many opportunities to work with so many people i have online training where where you know right now i've probably in season i'm working with i'd have to guess looking at my board here 500 players from juniors to AAA teams, organizations in Canada, organizations in New Jersey, St. Louis. Like I said, tons of junior teams. I was a strength coach for a D3 university this year online because they didn't have a huge budget. So I was able to help them with that. Um, You know, thousands of players online over the the course of the last couple of years using my off-season training program that is super cheap because my whole thing is like, if you can't get with a strength coach, like somebody who really knows what they're doing, um I, I want them to be able to if you can't afford it, like hockey's so expensive. If you can't afford yes. to like get with a strength coach, that shouldn't be the reason why you're not able to make your goal, whether that's house league to A, A to double A, you know, to juniors to college, so it's usually like twelve bucks a week. There's videos of me doing everything, every exercise, coaching. They can DM me, ask me questions, and I talk about that. I've used the Hockey Think Tank to spread that, and and it's helped a lot of hockey players um, for hilariously cheap. So, yeah, man, we're we're stoked at the Hockey Think Tank. We're still going, still crushing it, still having great guests on, like yourself.
1: Awesome, thanks, Vex. I appreciate that. And 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 somewhere in there is like there's a lesson about letting perfect go and letting progress be the focus. And I I really appreciate the simplicity in your approach that way. It's like ego aside, put that down and just start helping athletes and worry about the details later. So I, I, I really appreciate uh, the role you play in the hockey world that way. Thanks man. And you get
0: better at it. Like anything, you weren't the good skater you are now when you started skating. You weren't the good skater you are now three years into your journey of hockey five years 10 years even right like it's it's fa- i don't like the word fail but if you get very comfortable with not being good at something first but you keep doing it you keep practicing you literally will get better like you 100 will and i've since my hockey career has ended I've looked at that, reflected at that really hard. And I just have no problem saying, yes, I will do something. I might not be great at it the first time, but I'm going to do it. I'm going to force myself out of my comfort zone and I know I will get better. And if it's something that like is a service I'm offering and somebody asks me to do something new, I'll be like, Hey, I won't charge you because I've never done this before, but I want to do it. Because I know that, hey, I'll be better the next time. And then maybe I'll charge that time or maybe 10 times down the road. I'll be able to just from like a a business standpoint for anybody out Mm -hmm. there who's like listening this and is into business. Like that's how I've grown my business as well. Just saying yes to everything, figuring out the details as I go and just always trying to grow and get better because I know that that's going to stack up to somewhere special down the road.
1: Somewhere special down the road, isn't that where we're all trying to get to? So yeah, buddy. Vax will end there. I appreciate it. Have a great rest of your day. I know it's been an hour, so we're we're probably uh, ten seconds away from your next protein. Uh, feeding. <laughs> yeah, I'm, so you gotta get, I'm slamming you gotta my, get my pre-workout to. now because I gotta gotta got a get business. To, I love it.
0: Business group meeting at four. I got to bang my workout out, and then I got calls all night.
1: All right, enjoy. I'll let you run. You're free to go. Thank you.